All right, welcome back. January, Jan uh, January, what is this, uh, 12th? January 12th, Happy January New Year. 12th. Yeah. <laughs> January 12th, uh, Happy New Year, I guess, still in Ryan's mind. Um, crazy weekend of football. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Ryan, did you have a good weekend? Um, it was a great weekend. 8.15 uh, to... What about 1130 on Sunday? Uh, at least the game part of it. That was not fun. But other than that, it was a great weekend. Yeah. Do you want to get that out of the way now or do you just want to wait till the NFL recap? Um, we'll save it for the NFL recap. I, I can I can collectively gather my thoughts until then. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but look, uh, Nick's, by the way, uh, Nick's basketball minute, if you will. Uh, Nick's basketball minute update brought to you by Ryan. Ryan. Um, we lost to OKC. It was a terrible game. And then we lost yesterday to Denver, I believe, or the Jazz. No, Denver, Denver, excuse me. Uh, so we win three in a row and then we lose two straight. Um, it was ridiculous watching that OKC game on Friday. Um, it seems like they're back to their ways of pissing me off. Um, the, the problem is that their strengths are also their weakness. What I mean by that is like, they're very streaky shooting team. And when they play well in the paint, they play really well and they win the game easily, but that's also their weakness. Cause they don't really have outside shooting last night. Uh, I was, I had on my phone, um, I had the, uh, Knicks game. And then on the laptop, I had it on as well. So I had two different versions going uh, as strange as that was. And then on the big screen, I had the new Orleans, uh, Chicago game, but, um, it, it, it's annoying to watch them play the last two games. I think they play Tuesday. Um, so that's your Knicks basketball minute brought to you by me. Uh, no sponsor on that. Um, but not yet. Ryan, what's that? Not yet. No, not yet. Not yet. Um, so it's everyone's, um, favorite Tuesday segment. Buy or sell. Um, <laughs> there's been a couple good sports stories out there today, so um, I'm, oh. I'm sure you have some good ones going. Uh, I think we decided on it's your week. We can't remember. It's uh, my brain feels like uh, scrambled eggs right now from the weekend. Uh, it's just, and when the Knicks lose, it brings me down like five different levels. Um, but here we are. Here we are. Yeah, it's it's definitely a scrambled weekend. I <clears throat> I can understand with your uh, with your with the Knicks and then with the Steelers. It's it's not been a good weekend to be a, a co-host of this show. So well, Premier um, League comes back tomorrow. So thank goodness for Premier League because uh, for some reason it wasn't on this weekend. That that uh, that was disgraceful. Whoever's <laughs> decision that was that it wasn't on at seven in the morning because where's my seven a.m. soccer when I need it. Right, you can get up and listen to 7 a.m. Uh, SpongeBob talking about football, though. I, so, yeah, we'll get into that. I, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you saw it on that because um, we've talked about this, but my apartment complex does not carry Nickelodeon. So, well, I, I, don't worry, I, I'll fill you <laughs> in because I watched uh, the whole first half the Nickelodeon broadcast. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. We'll talk I'm about excited. It. I'm excited for that. So, <laughs> excuse me. I want to start with a story that is near and dear to your heart uh, in the buy and sell segment here. Uh, <clears throat> I apologize, I can't stop coughing. But 
Uh, I think you probably know where this is going, staying in the NFL news from yesterday. So we have a head coach from the Eagles that has been fired. And there are swirling reports of, of just differences within the organization. Doug Peterson's tired of being told what to do. Carson Wentz is going to stay. Doug Peterson might go to the Jets, has a good relationship there. So maybe not even so much a buy or sell segment, but are, are you buying Doug Peterson to the Jets? Are you buying or selling that Carson Wentz will be there next year? Uh, you know, more, more or less just kind of your thoughts about the situation. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty, um, I would like to say like a, a, a very nice show, but let me just, you know, put this out there. Uh, it's bullshit that he was fired. Um, you know, it, it is. Um, I'm a little frustrated because I don't really think it was his fault that the team underperformed. I think it's mostly, I mean, what it feels like happened is they fired him because he waited so long to put in Hurts, not because the team underperformed, but because Wins was so so bad and so atrocious and abysmal, but he waited so long to put it, put him in and be, you know, and take him out and put Hertz in and for Hertz to be the starter. That's why it feels like he got fired. I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl for Philadelphia, probably one of the most hunger, hungered sports towns in the world. Okay. Like, and he brought a Super Bowl to them and he's gone after three years, like three years you know, he should have a great, he should have one more year to see what he can do with Hertz under his system, under his tutelage and, you know, what can happen going forward. I just, it's frustrating because here's a team, when you look at them on paper, they're supposed to do all the right things. I mean, they won the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure they went to the playoffs three of his seasons uh, in Philly. I know they went there last year, you know, not this season, but last year. And Dallas really underperformed. It's just it's it's it is agitating because who who are you going to find out there in the job market that's better than him right now? I mean, you got Urban Meyer who has, and I know people uh, can't see this because we record Zoom, medical issues. But uh, you know, I might get heat for that. But uh, I feel like you know what I'm talking about when I say that because uh, that that yeah. Look, and and I mean he's coming back even though it puts so much stress on him to coach in Jacksonville, who's really out there. I don't want Robert LaSalle. I don't think he's the head coach. I don't think he's the head coach that team needs. I don't think anyone from the defensive side of the ball, they've talked about uh, the defensive coordinator from Seattle. I don't think he's the answer. They've talked about some guys from uh, Sean McVay's coaching staff. Definitely don't think that's the answer. It's just I don't know who the answer is, and I mean I feel like the only person that possibly could um, make something out of nothing and turn chicken, you know what, into chicken salad is Josh McDaniels. But I don't feel like he wants that job. I don't feel like he wants that job because he feels like he knows for a fact. I feel like he's kind of like waiting in line for Belichick. You know what I mean? He'll stay there as long as he has to, if he has a good system in place. I just don't know, man. It's frustrating. It's irritating. It's maddening. Um, I heard on, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen a, a couple places, you know, say Jason Garrett. I don't, Jason Garrett in Philly. I mean, how many I, NFC East teams could that man possibly coach? I, I mean, it's just, I really don't know who's out there. 
And it's just, it, it is truly frustrating. And the one thing I hope they don't do is I hope they don't go back to the college well because they've been down that road before. And I feel like they're smart enough to not do that again. But it wouldn't put it past me if they called Ryan Day and they were like, hey, do you at least want to come interview? Wouldn't put it past me because Ryan Day has been floated around there in some NFL circles as very interested in the NFL. I just, I don't know. And um, sorry, I'm, I'm a little fired up. Nick's losing Doug Peterson being fired, unjustfully fired. Yeah, I'm a little agitated. I'm selling it. Yeah, I, I would probably sell it too. Um, our friend Colleen Wolf has floated out the idea of Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, the offensive coordinator. And He's not the answer. He, he seems to be a very common name in the head coaching realm, so that is to be expected. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, though. I almost echo everything that you say, maybe not the same level of frustration, obviously you being <laughs> a fan, but the, I, I don't think you can solely blame him to do it, and I think some of this echoes the fact that Usually whenever you make these decisions, you make it about money and you make it about money because Carson Wentz is getting paid significantly more than Jalen Hurts is. So it kind of harkens back to the idea of, well, he's getting paid a hundred something million dollars. Jalen Hurts is on his rookie contract. We're just going to kind of let him do whatever, you know, we're, we're just going to kind of wait, right? Might be a lost season, but we'll see how it goes. So it, it really begs the question, if they bring somebody in, are you bringing somebody in now to potentially fit a Carson Wentz system? Or are you bringing somebody in to potentially fit a Jalen Hurts system? Because it's not necessarily the same idea of, of how you would run the offense. Uh, Jalen Hurts more of the mobile quarterback with, with passing arm. And then Carson Wentz, we, you know, we're not really sure what to expect there based on 2020's performance. So it, it really is odd to, to think that they're going to be hiring a new head coach because Doug Peterson, I, I agree, should have had at least one more season to, to right this wrong. Uh, I, I would actually buy the report that he could go to the New York Jets, though, only because of the relationships there. And, and that's obviously a head coaching vacancy, and they know what he can do. They saw him win a Super Bowl and put that team together. Um, I, I got to sell Wentz coming back to the Eagles. I mean, I understand that it's going to be tough to get rid of that contract, but we've only seen his play digress the last, what, I guess it's three years now. I think you have to at least see what Jalen Hurts can do. He made plays, he won some games, and maybe if he wasn't pulled in week 17, and, and I wonder if that has anything to do with the decision, but, um, you know, I, I certainly would hate to speculate and, and be wrong on that, on the Doug Peterson decision side, if you will. Um. Doug Peterson looks like a poor man's John Hamm. I, I, I hope you know who John Hamm is, at least. Hold on. Are you Googling? I, right. I, uh, Live is, Google reaction. This is... Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. He, yeah, okay. Yeah, looks like a poor man's John Hamm. Yeah. Well, see, another thing you have to understand is, like, people can say actors, and I'm like... That name's familiar, but then I actually have to see him to know who it is. So, yeah, I know who John Hamm is. Don, Don to, Draper. To see him, but, Don Draper. I yeah. know you've probably never seen Mad Men. Wouldn't shock me. Um, <laughs> but, but yes. Live, live um, uh, poll out there for, for the people. I don't know how many people have not seen Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, but Ryan has told me off air and in text conversations he has never seen either one of those shows. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, you've seen Sopranos because I'm rewatch. I started rewatching Sopranos over the weekend before no. football. No, 
No. Oh, uh, gosh. Of those three, though, the one that I would watch first and actually have watched, I think, the first two episodes of, but I just never came back to it to finish it, is Breaking Bad. Because okay. I've heard from more people, not that the other shows are bad. Obviously, I have right. friends that are fans of all those shows, but Breaking Bad would definitely be the one that I would indulge in. So maybe this summer, whenever I get frustrated with an early exit, potentially in the playoffs and NHL, and then the Pirates, I'll, uh, I'll indulge in a little Breaking Bad, too. Yeah, hockey's back Wednesday. Uh, that's exciting. Um, by the way, you can't get them on VHS. So streaming only. Mm. Streaming Okay. Well, streaming easy only. enough. Speaking of streaming, um, the first story on uh, my side, look, Ryan, we, uh, I, I promise I'm, I'm not like a hardcore nerd. I'm just a pretty big nerd. WandaVision, uh, Marvel's fourth phase will be starting on Friday on Disney Plus to their now 91 million subscribers since we last spoke. It's, uh, it, you know, it was 89 last time we spoke. Uh, it, it is they're going to pass Netflix, I bet, by the end of the year. I mean, at the rate they're growing, I mean, they have to, right? 91 million subscribers. Uh, and Netflix is at like 118. They're, they're going to pass them. But it's, it's pretty big. It's pretty big because um, the head of uh, Marvel, Kevin Feige, um, who kind of, he's been with this since the jump. In 2008, he was actually a producer on Iron Man. And he was actually one of the people contributing to the script along with John Farrow. And um, he helped, you know, obviously shoot that movie. And then Disney bought out Marvel um, later that year when our, uh, after Iron Man came out. Since then, he's been there from the scene. And that's what made Marvel so successful versus DC kind of wishwashy. You know what I mean? There's not one person standing over DC from movie to movie being like, okay, so there was continuity in movie A. Let's move it to continuity and movie B and let's keep the train rolling and Marvel it's been every single movie leads into something else and then there's those secret scenes at the end that take you to that next movie or, or whatever and it ties everything together in Avengers Endgame it's kind of crazy that the pandemic happened a year later uh right <clears throat> almost you know a month to the day um when Endgame came out last uh, in April 2019 and he even said in an interview this past weekend, he said that if the pandemic would have happened before Avengers Endgame, you know, a movie that's grossed $2 billion, the biggest movie ever, it would have been a bigger of a headache. But luckily they had time to, they've had a year and a half or whatever to regroup. They've shot all these shows that are going to come out to Disney Plus and it's really going to take the place. Now, what's interesting about it, it is a TV show and it's going to be a season but it, all reports show that it's going to be a miniseries where they're only going to do six episodes. That, that seems pretty small. That seems pretty small for, so I, I wonder when it comes out on Friday, is it going to be like half hour? Is it going to be an hour long? Because those other Marvel shows that come out this year, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Loki's already been renewed for season two and it's not even going to come out till probably like fall this year. So I'm very excited. Things are happening. Fun fact uh, for you, the very first, um, I don't know if it's the very first episode or the very first scene, whatever, but there's a huge chunk of the first episode that is almost based like 50s comedy style, where it's like everything black and white and like, you know, laughter and stuff like that and recorded in front of a live audience. When they recorded that in front of a live audience, 
like a year ago, whatever it was now, they made every single audience member, whatever it was, like the 200, 150, whatever it was, sign an NDA because they wanted to keep everything top secret. That's how close they're playing this thing to the chest. I'm, I'm buying it for sure. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. And, and that's because of the continuity of it all. And I think that's what Marvel fans enjoy. Um, I remember when Endgame came out, I was actually still in my master's program and I had friends who were basically, they're making plans around classes to be like, okay, we need to go watch this movie and we'll do it twice if we have to, because it'll be that good. So I understand that part of it. But, but I think that almost makes it better, right? Because we talked about Batman last week and how Batman and, and even some of the villains, like I think of the Joker movie from last year, as good as it was, it's not necessarily, it, it's kind of like a different universe, right? In, in some senses, like it's the same story and you do it some ways, but it, it, the continuity is not there. It's not necessarily one and the same. But Marvel, and, and I think we've talked about this too, I, I've seen the charts. Now I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I know some people probably could tell you the whole chart, but it's like, if you watch the movies in this like 36 order, it's all going to make complete sense. Okay. I mean, at least you have, at least you have a chart to do that and regarding, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say one thing that makes like, they even tell you, like they even break it down. Like you can watch it by like time period. Like you don't even have to watch it like in the way, like, so Captain America in the Marvel universe is in the 40s and then captain marvel in the 90s like if even if you watch it by like time period like you're still getting the full story and that's pretty incredible to like think about right and and to keep that continuity so people are you know they can even look back in an old movie and say oh this is what happened in the last one and we just kind of go forth from there so that makes it that makes it more exciting regarding the miniseries one of the other reasons i'm buying it is because i think some of this now the timing might be a little bit off but based on the success of star wars and the mandalorian moving it into a tv show format i think that almost benefits them in some sense because i i mean if you look at it star wars was traditionally um a movie-based franchise i mean they had their small little one-offs or like series that they would do with it but it was nothing that i felt like was groundbreaking with it. but the mandalorian with streaming services is is that kind of groundbreaking thing and with Disney still in charge of it and then hosting it now, I see no reason why this won't be successful. People are going to continue to buy into it. And you're right. Netflix is probably only going to keep going down in subscribers as they lost their most popular show. Disney keeps adding these shows that people want to watch. Disney Plus is going to be number one in no time. I, I would say definitely probably by the end of March or April. I don't, I don't think it would take any more time than that. Yeah, Quibi's not going to be getting any of those. What? You mean Quibi's not still a thing? <laughs> Roku, they didn't come back yet? Roku basically, by the way, uh, to touch on that story, Roku basically bought them for free over the weekend. It's now on uh, the Roku channel for free. Um, that That's uh, that's pretty gross. All those, all that advertising money. What a shame. Yeah. What a shame. Well, that's... That's showbiz, folks. Isn't that what they say? All right. So let's move into another sports story here. So actually, you touched on this sport a couple minutes ago, moving back. Uh, but the NHL starts tomorrow. We're very excited to see the NHL come out and, and start games and, and jump back into hockey. Obviously, we had our interview with Darren a, a week or so ago now. But we're still in a pandemic here. 
there's still COVID implications. There's still COVID implications with basketball games. We saw with the 76ers a couple weekends ago that they're basically playing, or it might have even been this weekend, playing with seven guys. So with the NHL being a mostly indoor sport, now they've limited travel, which is definitely positive. But are you buying or selling that they're going to end up playing a 56 full game schedule without interruption and a potential cancel? Well, not necessarily a cancellation, but potential interruption of the season. Uh, I think what I, I think I'll buy because what helps them is the weird division realignment where every other sport just stayed status quo and kept the schedules as is, you know what I'm saying? Like Philly's still traveling to LA, you know, LA's still traveling to Philly, those kind of things like for basketball and, you know, in football, there was no slowing down. You know what I mean? Like Vegas traveled to, to play the jets, all those kind of things. Like there wasn't anything like that. And maybe it's not feasible to do in football, but it's definitely feasible to do in basketball. Like that's something they could have definitely done and, and worked on. Um, what I am worried about though, is it feels like certain teams like the Sixers, for example, playing Dwight Howard at point guard uh, over the weekend. It feels like certain teams get the shaft and other teams don't like when it comes to the whole COVID outbreaks, like, and I know that's a weird thing to say, but let's, let's be honest, man. Like they could have postponed the Cleveland Pittsburgh game. Like they didn't have a coaching staff, like essentially. And pretty much all their offensive line was like practice squad or third string. Like, it didn't so, matter. but, but you know what I'm saying? Like they sure. could have done those things and I don't understand why certain teams get the shaft and, and others don't like some teams, like when it came to baseball, like the Miami Marlins got two weeks off, but then like other teams, when they had outbreaks had to play with like guys that they would have to call up from triple a or double a. I just don't understand those kind of things. I feel like hockey maybe is going to work a little bit different. One thing that's fascinating though, they're still going to do the outdoor game that they announced uh, this evening. It's going to be uh, in Lake Tahoe, which is going to be amazing to watch. Um, Cause that's not a stadium. Like that's like an actual like lake in February. And it's going to be incredible to watch. I'm, I'm interested to see those kind of things. I just, the Canadian realignment as well, because Canada has complete different restrictions on COVID. So what happens if like the Maple Leafs or Ottawa has an outbreak and then, you know, like do like, it's going to affect their points. It's going to affect their standings. I don't know. We're, we're, we're trying, we're basically figuring it out as we go. And some teams are, doing well with it some aren't and it's just it is what it is it's it's COVID for some of those exact reasons I'm gonna sell it and I don't think it's going to cancel the season it won't you know fully cancel the back half of a season if there's an outbreak but I think there will be games canceled and I think it will impact the points of teams um, I think about it I think about it in the college football sense um, when you look at a conference like the Big Ten and Ohio State's only playing seven games so you, you, may, you may have one of these realigned divisions in hockey that plays less than 56 games, and then people will be using the, oh, well, they're well-rested excuse after a COVID outbreak, which is funny. But anyway, I think you're going to see games canceled. I, I, I don't know how many it will be. But also to your point, I think the division realignment helps it. And, and in that sense that it's easier to kind of move games around, you're only dealing with so many teams. Because looking at it from a – if, if you're doing a regular season schedule with all 31 teams playing, it makes it a lot harder to rework the schedules 
because in hockey, it's not like football. There's not the natural buys, you know, yeah, there's days built in, but when you're only talking about having to reschedule with seven teams, that could be a lot easier to do. So there may be less interruptions because of the division realignment, but I don't, I don't foresee games not being canceled because we're still in, in the middle of this pandemic and dealing with it. But I think hockey's in a good spot. And I think it's very interesting because hockey is kind of the spot that has, it's a sport that can do that, right? You know, it doesn't have the same amount of viewers and, and I, I can't seem to understand why because I love hockey personally. And I know you do too as well, Ryan, but it, you know, they, they can work with this kind of weird division realignment and it works and people aren't necessarily too taken aback by it. They're like, okay, we're fine with this for a year. We just want to watch hockey. But I feel like if you tried to do something like this in the NBA, people would freak out and be like, well, well, how am I not going to see, you know, these guys, but I, I digress. Yeah, no. And um, I, I wish we could get something trending on Twitter. Uh, Doc Emmerich for two Ryan sports show, something like that. Cause I I've said it how many episodes in a row now, like five or six that I'm going to miss that guy. I really am. He, he's uh, he's for one everyone like listening. Get start that hashtag. Doc we, we know you people Ryan. are out there. Yeah. Um, so Look, sticking with Marvel, because it's incredible that they finally, not caved on this, but it's when they bought 20th Century Fox and Disney was really pushing the boundaries of what they wanted Disney Plus to be. It was the re when they bought 20th Century Fox, it came with X-Men, it came with Fantastic Four, it came with Deadpool, it came with uh, Simpsons. It came with National Geographic. It, you know what I mean? It came with all these different kind of shows and channels and, and stuff that was owned by Fox, but some of it was too adult content that Disney didn't want to do, obviously, because they're a family, you know, owned, you know, network or, you know, family owned programming, whatever. <sighs> Very excited. Uh, Deadpool 3 is officially happening. Deadpool 3 if you've ever seen the first or the second Deadpool, it has to be, I'd, I'd put it in my, I, I wouldn't put it in my top five, but I'd put it in my like top six or top seven um, comic book movies of all time. Like for it being rated R, not only is it like just witty humor by Ryan Reynolds and like the people that are doing those scripts for him, but his execution of it. And then like, the violence that Deadpool brings or whatever. Now for Disney to make it rated R and not PG 13 is also pretty huge. Cause that means when the, the movie's able to stream, it's not going to go to Disney plus it's going to go to Hulu. Um, I'm very excited about this. I cannot believe that after uh, essentially two years since 2018, when um, the deal closed that they're going to finally make Deadpool three. So when I think of Deadpool, I know this is weird. I, believe it or not, believe it or not, I know you're going to be shocked. Don't fall out of your seat. I have seen the first one. Okay. I have not, not seen the second one, but I have seen the first one. Um, and and I thought it was I thought it was fine. Um, it some sometimes you may call it like over the top and kind of crazy, but like that's that's who Deadpool is. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the point of the whole thing. So I understand that. Um, I would vote Deadpool as the most used sticker on the back of cars in a college town when it comes to comic book yeah. movies. 
I see more Deadpool stickers on cars or bumper stickers than I feel like I see any other superhero or maybe anything else other than the stupid stick families. But that's a whole different, that's yeah, that's a whole a different, different conversation. Yeah, we'll talk about that at a different time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different conversation. But anyway, for that reason, I'll buy it because I know people, I, I know people again are invested in this universe and, and they really do enjoy Deadpool. And again, judging by the number of stickers I see on the back of, you know, Ford Fiestas or whatever those things are, people are going to want to do this. Now, it is an interesting dynamic, though, that they kind of use this on two different platforms because obviously you're not going to Disney is built around the kids, right? Disney right. is kind of the kid friendly type deal. And even when Disney does something a little bit outside of the norm, everybody, you know, they're like, Oh, I can't believe Disney did that. So for them to pick it up, I, I think there was probably a lot of discussion on the back end and in, in those closed door meetings of people being like, look, we got to bring something else on because we, we know that this is profitable. Disney's always going to do what they can to make money. And they know that Marvel is going to make them money and, and kind of continue that trend. But you also can't put a movie like Deadpool on Disney Plus. No. Which is also kind of funny that they put The Simpsons on there because. That's as close as you get to adult. At right. times, like with jokes in there. Right. And, and, and I think it's funny because, you know, you kind of look at this through time and like The Simpsons in the 80s was. Maybe I. I use this term loosely, but like, it's the devil. Oh, I can't believe they're making these jokes. How would they do this? I can't believe it. But like now it seems a little bit more mild and what they do, but even still just to see the Simpsons on Disney plus is kind of funny, but their Deadpool three will still be successful given the execution and everything is, is correct with it. Yeah. And I have to buy this as well, because what this says to me is not only, I'm also real quick before I mention my point is how are they going to market this? Because they can advertise like the Captain Americas and the Iron Mans and stuff like movies on that, like to the kids, like who still watch Disney Channel or, you know, you know, ESPN. There's definitely kids that watch ESPN, you know, that they can advertise that too. But how are they going to advertise Deadpool? You know what I mean? Like new bumper stickers, new bumper stickers. <laughs> um, I mean, and look, what this says to me is we're waiting for i don't know if you know this about me obviously i'm a big comic book guy and mm -hmm. a, a comic book movie guy because i feel like for the most part comic book movies the good outweigh the bad because there's more good comic book movies than bad ones um but this just means my favorite comic book series um marvel or dc x-men is just right around the corner and they're keeping that close to the chest because deadpool's part of x-men in a way like uh he's part of x-force not to get too nerdy but um like that's what this says to me like for them to finally do this it's pretty big because look the last two movies have made like 800 900 million dollars like at the box office like it's a juggernaut like eventually they had to do this and i'm, I'm glad they did yeah well and and ryan reynolds certainly sells the character well and that's a marketing tactic to it too is is just how good he is in the role at least in my opinion right i hope he doesn't get typecasted though like some like some comic book actors or actors like we've talked about before get typecasted and they, they can't get good roles again. What's the movie he did with Sandra Bullock? Oh. Is it called The Proposal? Yes. That's a great movie. That's one I've seen. So I know, right? I've, I've told you this, but if you, if I actually sat down and wrote the movies that I've seen, you'd be like, I, I don't know how you can draw this line between any of them because <laughs> like I'm, 
sitting here watching the sandlot and i'm like i've seen the proposal and you're like well surely you've seen forrest gump no i've never seen forrest gump yeah that's incredible you've seen the proposal uh like a 30 or 40 percent on rotten tomatoes but not <laughs> forrest gump that's that's amazing it's it really is an interesting life over here and, and i'm not sure anybody can ever understand it but that's beside the point good luck um final sports story um final sports story is is a little bit off a little bit off the beaten path but i think it's an interesting discussion um so today kind of this weekend and today uh the college football hall of fame class was announced um and some of the notable names from our generation of players that we would recognize uh carson palmer usc quarterback cj spiller from clemson darren sproles uh, Al Wilson, maybe maybe a little bit before our time linebacker, but Bob Stoops, the head coach of Kansas, or not Kansas, I apologize, Oklahoma. But the College Football Hall of Fame actually has a very strict criteria of what they look for in their inductees. Uh, it, it's much stricter than basically just looking at it from a holistic view and saying, is this player good enough to do it? All players that are considered have to be a consensus first team all, well, maybe not a consensus, but have to be a first team All-American. If they never made an All-American team of like the AP or, or whatever those um, sources are that make those, they are not considered for the Hall of Fame. So looking at it historically, a player like Pat White, maybe one of the greatest college football quarterbacks ever with his stat lines, will never be considered for the College Football Hall of Fame. And I had an article up before we came on here just to see if I could find some other names. Uh, Nick Chubb, the great Georgia running back never going to be considered for the hall of fame julio jones never going to be considered for the hall of fame so and then coaches also have to have a 600 winning percentage uh, along with a couple other things like you have to be retired or if you played in the pros you have to be retired for so long i'm okay with that but are you buying or selling that having to be a first team all-american is a good requirement or having to have a 600 winning percentage is a good requirement to be a hall of famer in the cfp I'm selling Hall of Fame voting processes, period, regarding, <laughs> regarding what sport it is. Because, like, the Basketball Hall of Fame, like, everybody who put on a jersey is in the Hall of Fame. Like, even teams, you know, like, there are teams in there, though, that deserve it, like the Dream Team, obviously, or things like that. But, you know, and then you got football. There are guys like Chris Carter who weren't in the Hall of Fame for – 10, 11 years, whatever it was, T.O. should have been a first ballot. And the reason he went to Chattanooga over the whole thing is because he wasn't, you know what I mean? And writers held whatever against him. Like, I'm, and then, you know, I don't even know what the Hockey Hall of Fame is, but I'm sure their process is weird. And then don't even get me started on baseball. Like, there should be, there should be a wing in the Baseball Hall of Fame, like, a, like the steroids wing or whatever you want to do, like, look, hey, these guys might have performance enhanced, whatever, but they changed the game. And without some of those guys, baseball would not be where it is right now. You know what I mean? Especially with the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa's bonds. Um, I still remember bonds breaking the home run record. Uh, you know, and he, that ball sold for like a million dollars. You know, so, and then College Football Hall of Fame, like, to tell you the truth, I don't even think people really paid attention to it until it got located to Atlanta because it was tucked away in the middle of some little town in Indiana outside of South Bend. Like, so I don't know. It's just 
it's weird in, in, in college football, like some of those guys like who are in the Hall of Fame don't even really like their schools that they went to, if that makes sense, you know? And that and that's a shame too. Cause like you know that I'm right. Like some guys like when they used to do those Sunday night football introductions, like with big night big time players, they would do their high school or like something else instead of their college. Like you've never heard Randy Moss talk about Marshall. Right. You know I mean, he talks about where he's from in his high school, and I respect that. But, like, if he's in the Hall of Fame in college football, I don't know if he is or not, but he's not bringing, you know, Marshall University up. Right. Well, and 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 I hate to, you know, just keep agreeing, but I'm selling it, too, because I just – I think I think limiting it, limiting it to being a first-team All-American in the player side, I mean, I just feel that that's a bit ridiculous because – when you look at it, and let me let me start with another point here. I 100% agree with Hall of Fame voting as a whole because I look at a guy like Barry Bonds, just for instance, on one of these players. Okay, steroids might have made him hit for a little bit more power, but for anybody who's ever played the game of baseball, do you know how hard it is to hit a baseball in general? It's not easy to do at a high school level, so can you imagine how not easy it is to do at a major league level where it's a 95-mile-an-hour fastball? breaking in some degree and you still have to have the eye coordination to hit it maybe he hits for a little bit more power with steroids whatever I don't care he's still a hall of famer you'll never convince me otherwise even if you take away the years in question he's still a hall of famer in Pittsburgh but I digress just looking at the West Virginia hall of famers and the hall of fame just being a WVU fan okay Major Harris Daryl Talley Don Nealon Sam Huff Bruce Bosley Joe Steidhart Ira Rogers yeah but Pat White and Steve Slayton are missing because that was one of the greatest teams. And, and certainly they never won a national championship, but I, I especially feel passionately about Pat White about this because he's the only quarterback that's ever won four bowl games and two of them being BCS games He's one of the most electric players to watch. And, and you're basically just looking at him saying, well, yeah, you were great in college, but it's too bad. The writers never saw you as a first team all American when and I don't have this up in front of me, but looking at the other years, I'm sure there were other great quarterbacks during those times too. Uh, probably the likes of like Vince Young and, and Matt Leinart in those years too. So I understand that, but I don't think that disqualifies somebody else. Hall of Fame voting is a very weird thing and everybody does it strange. Uh, the, the one that I actually like the most is the NFL, believe it or not, the way that they do it and they kind of narrow it uh, and do it. The contributors and coaches too. Baseball is just Baseball's weird to me is you basically put this ballot in front of people and say, okay, vote for how many ever people you want. And if they don't get a certain percentage of the vote, they're off the ballot forever. We'll never consider them again. And then you're only on it for certain. You know what? Is this person Hall of Fame worthy or are they not Hall of Fame worthy? That's really what it comes down to. You put the you put these people in there and say, okay, is this person a Hall of Famer? And if they are, they are. If they're not, they're not. That's really what it comes down to. And I, I don't know. I just think it's a very weird, very weird thing that we judge people on with those criteria for different sports. And like the guy a couple of years ago who didn't vote Ken Griffey a first ballot just because he didn't want to see a, a for unanimous Hall of Famer. Like, come on, man. Like Hall of Fame voting. Like, let's get a new process. What, um, what is your argument against Ken Griffey being a Hall of Famer, other than you just don't want to see a unanimous Hall of Famer? 
I'm pretty sure that was the guy's only argument. Like he just didn't want to see someone unanimous, which is ridiculous. And then, and then the next year they caught flack because I think it was the exact next year Mariano Rivera was on the ballot, and everyone's like, "Let me tell you something." Yeah. If you're not if you're not going to vote King Griffey as a Hall of Fame, you better do it now because this is your one shot to make it right. Right. Um, sticking with my movie theme, I guess, if you will, um, in a way. Reports are saying, man, Hollywood prepares to have another massive delay again. Um, there are certain studios that um, are budging on the idea that they weren't at the first, you know, go around of, of everything where they're budging on the idea of like, okay, like maybe we can do what the HBO Max model is doing um, because it's actually working out pretty well for HBO Max. They, they've gained subscribers. They've gained a lot of interest. Um the traffic when Wonder Woman came out uh, was so massive that I, myself, I can even vouch for this. I had like actual like glitches at times where like it would stop the movie and kick it out because there was just that much massive traffic. So like the model works, but then there are certain studios are like, Hey, you know what? We're just going full steam ahead, releasing in theaters, no matter what, da, 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 da. I mean, I know it's not ideal for movies like right now and, you know, as, as actors, you want to get paid your quota and, you know, whatever, you know, you know, if your quota is six mil, you know, maybe if it goes to streaming, you only get paid like 900,000 or one mil of that, you know what I mean? Cause the studio has to get a cut of that or whatever, but let's just make, let's just make everything right for a couple more months or the rest of the year, however long we have to go through this and let's do what's right for, you know, it's not permanent. I, I don't, I don't think it'll ever go permanent because things show that none of the movie directors like the HBO max model of like it going to HBO max and theaters at the same day. Cause they don't get a payday that way either as big as they used to. So as much as we want to see it going like that, me and you for the rest of, you know, our generation, it's not going to for a long while. I just let's budge and make compromises here because who knows how long we're going to be in this thing. And like, I feel like Disney missed their shot. Like Disney's a classic example where they could have had a couple movies by now come to Disney plus other than just Mulan, but maybe not charge the $30. Like there, there's still ways to do this without just doing a full theater release. Cause quite honestly, I don't think people want to go to a movie theater and sit with their mask on for two hours. People don't like going to you know, restaurants or anything, you know, sitting with their masks on in, in there. Like people don't want to go to a movie in, in a dark, you know, contained space for two and a half hours and pay 30 bucks or whatever you end up paying for concessions just to see a movie that if they made a deal, you could watch at home selling it. Well, and I feel like if you're sitting in a dark theater for that long, that, that just sounds like a breeding ground for a, a virus. I mean, I'm certainly not an infectious disease expert or I, you know, if we were both that, we wouldn't be doing this podcast and be, it'd look a lot different <laughs> than what we do. But yeah, I, I, so I think about this in terms of like music too, because there's, there's talk in the music industry. Of course, we talked about Spotify and how basically artists and Apple music too, they don't make money on their album releases when you download it. I mean, they can see that, but it doesn't necessarily make them money. So that's why you have to go buy the merchandise that's why you go to the album that's why you go to a tour and and that's kind of what movies are to the to the movie industry is 
is the experience of buying the ticket and being there and, and seeing it in theaters because they're selling it to these theaters to be able to buy it and see it. So I get that. You know, the, the other model, I still like the other model of, of releasing them straight to home, but there, there's still work to be done with it. It's certainly not a perfect model, but I can understand why directors don't like that because it's not the same cut. They're not seeing the same payday and look, money's going to rule these, money's going to rule these type things, right? Money rules every industry, whether you like it or not. That's everybody talks about, I think about college football when I say that and everyone's like, oh, these players are just playing for passion. <laughs> Give a break. <laughs> okay. They are. They are because they enjoy the sport, but there's a lot of money on the line with this person's name on it because of what they're doing. So you're a hundred percent wrong. But anyway, I, I I think I think you just have to be patient. I, I think in the in the movie industry right now, you just have to be patient. You know, you you've kind of leveraged it this long. And I understand you want to get things out and you want to get things rolling, but if you also want to make the payday. You're just going to have to be patient for now because if you don't want to move it to streaming platforms, that's fine, but you're also going to miss out on timing. And then I feel like whenever we get back to a, a relatively normal state where we can do things in, in a semi-normal sense where we don't necessarily have to have masks, herd immunity, whatever you want to call it, um, there is going to be a mass exodus of people out in the world. They are going to just go out in droves. Movie theaters are going to be filled when they can put you back in a concert venue or a sporting venue, people are going to be excited for that. So if you can hold out that long, we can almost guarantee that your movie is going to make you millions upon millions of dollars. What's strange is the whole thing is TV shows. We're still getting new content from TV, but we're not getting any new content from movies. Like there has to be a give and take. Like that's what makes entertainment so fun. Like if, if you go the rest of this year with new TV shows, like, yeah, you'll be excited, but I mean, who doesn't like waiting for a new movie? Like, I know that I've been waiting for Black Widow, like the last year and a half, like, and what it does is when you don't release movies on time or there's production delays or whatever, that creates a, a domino effects within side, you know, that movie set to begin with, but when you continue to push things back or you, you're still delaying movies or whatever, like you plan on doing from what it seems like, that creates issues with like late night shows and those kind of things. Cause they're, you know, you know that they're starting to ramp up again, like scheduling interviews and press tours. Cause they, you know, any movie there's a press tour, you know, uh, an actor or an actress will do like six billion you know, trillion different shows and all the same questions and stuff. But, you know, it, it just creates a domino effect and we'll see what happens going forward. But um, we kind of got someone from Hollywood on today. I mean, she's uh, <laughs> she's an A-lister in our mind. Yeah, absolutely. She was fun to talk to. Nikki Glazer, comedian. Uh, check her out on Netflix with her specials there. But an absolutely fun interview. And, and whenever you hear this interview, make sure you go on social media and give her the attention that she wants because we, we feel that, you know, we can always do that better. So make sure you like this, check it out, and then tweet Nikki and tell her how much you love the interview. And now our interview with Nikki Glazer. All right, we now welcome one stand-up comedian with her special Bangin', which is on Netflix. So you're going to go need to check that out. Uh, the You Up podcast actor host the legendary comedian nikki glazer nikki thank you for joining the two ryan sports show today 
You're so welcome. I am happy to be here, actually. And I mean it. Well, we're happy to have you. It's always fun to talk with uh, talk with comedians because uh, your your perspective on everything is always much funnier, which I think comes with the job. So that uh, yeah. that's always fun. I think, yeah, I think so. I think we have to look at the world through a yeah. That's our job is to like make observations about things, and and that's why I think what leads us all to become comedians is that we're just people who. Um, are just honest, you know, I think that's pretty much uh, what our job is, is to just be as honest as possible. And a lot of times it can get you canceled. So um, I'm just waiting for that to happen to me any day now. And maybe on this show. <laughs> it's not going to be on this show. We're, we're not going to be the ones to cancel your broadcast, your cancellation. We're, we're, we're more interested in your specials and, and some of your takes on a few things. So All right, no, but I, I, you can't, you can't control it. You know, like fair. you think you're being very just like safe and then s- somehow you upset someone. It's, it's, uh, it's tricky, but okay, let's, let's, tr- let's try, but let's, I, I, you know, I'm going to be honest though. Let's try not to get canceled. Okay. Well, we're going to start off with a hot one then if we're not going to try to get canceled here. So okay. um, on Netflix now we have the history of swear words. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I've not watched it yet, but I know that you're featured on one of the episodes. So that leads, that that leads me to ask if you're picking your favorite swear word, what would that be and why? Okay. What would it be and why? I guess my favorite swear word is, uh, I mean, cunt really just, it's, it's still so, it's just, it's so, it's the last one that really packs a punch and that will make people go, oh, you know, like the F word is just, yeah, it's, that's probably the, the one that is the most, I, I actually think cunt's worse. Like, I think you couldn't, you could get away with saying, I don't know. I just, yeah, I think cunt is the only one that we're not desensitized to at this point. And we will be at some point, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I've, I've called up a couple people that before on stage, just like girls who are talking too loudly or just being rude or, you know, a lot of times I'll be saying something on stage and a girl will be like, ew, and like, just like judgy. And that's generally from a place of like, they, whatever I'm saying they've done before. So they go, ew. <laughs> so like, if you're ever vocal about hating something, it's cause you do it. And that's, that's so ironic though, because the people that are most offended by things are usually the people that are just, they are guilty of either thinking those things or having done it. So there was this one time that this girl said, ew, after I was doing some gross joke and, um, and she was like, ew. And I go, oh, is that gross you out? I was like, you had like a visceral reaction to that. And she's like, ew. And I go, that only just tells me that you've done that too. I was like, everyone... This girl has shit during sex before, for sure. And, and she looked at me like, like, I, you, I have. I go, she's just projecting. You're so, you're so, you're, you're, you're so upset by this because you've done it. And you could see undeniably she had. So that was really satisfying for me. I felt like some kind of a mentalist, like, you know, like a magician at that point that I could, I could uh, even pr- predict that that girl had done it. So nice you only react to things that you have experience with other, yeah. other things might be funny, but if, if you have never experienced it, you can't relate to the reaction. 
Yeah. So, or you I can th- relate to the reaction. And the more you're ashamed of it, the more you're going to go, ew, you know, like all these people that hate gay people. It's like, you're gay. It's because you hate yourself. It's all just like the self-hatred. There was one time though um, that I was on stage. This was not too long ago. This, I was at the Funny Bone actually in St. Louis where I live and I was just doing an open mic and th- this woman had no idea who I was. And I went up on stage and I was talking about like, having cum in my mouth or something disgusting that I just probably shouldn't be talking about. And she just goes, oh, oh God. And I go, oh, and I use my same logic. I go, you're only saying that because you've had cum in your mouth. And she goes, yeah, I know. And I go, you have? And she goes, yeah. And I go, well, then what are you ooing me for? And she goes, well, I don't talk about it on stage. And I was like, good point. She was like, I don't tell a room of people that. And I was like, well, you just did. But um, that's where, and that's really funny to me when, that was a good moment with her because that is ridiculous that I'm announcing this on stage. Like, what's wrong with me? But um, jokes you know. on you. I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> it it has. And at first I wasn't, but uh, you say it enough times and you learn how to do it with a good enough comedic timing and people start paying you for it. <laughs> By the way, before I get to my question, uh, I can't help notice your background. It looks like you're in the Ozarks right now, like at the, the house that they use in Jason Bateman. Look how dark yeah. that blue is. It's like, I feel like- It's uh, so pretty. It is so pretty. I, I mean, uh, Marty Bird is not gonna come through that, right? You know, I haven't seen Ozarks, <sighs> even though I do live in Ozark, I'm sorry. Even though I do live in Missouri, um, I just don't like violence. And I think the first episode I was like, this. It's and it's like, it's just, I don't know. I know I would like it. There's a million shows that I should watch that I, I haven't, but um, yeah, I, I just moved into this apartment and uh, yeah, the sky is super blue and beautiful and um, I'm scared of heights and uh, it's because I don't trust myself to not jump out of the window someday. Um, <laughs> so look, SNL has been around like, you know, 40 years, obviously 46 seasons. Obviously that's stand-up comedian central, right? Don Rickles, Eddie Murphy, right? Uh, Sandler, if you want to count him as stand-up, kind of, you know. Don Rickles was on SNL? Yeah, 1983, he hosted uh, two episodes that season. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. So, yes, it's uh, as both as cast members and definitely as hosts, that's the the place to be. But, I mean, like, do you ever see yourself wanting to do something like that? Because, I mean, that's a long work week. You know, people say when they get done at the end of – you know, the Saturday night, like lives, you know, series, they go out and get, you know, just relax and do whatever, because like, you know, it's just a long week. Do you ever see yourself doing something like that? Cause it's so draining. You know, uh, as a cast member, no, I don't, not that they would ever want me. I think I'd be okay on the show. I'm, I'm not like a real huge sketch person and I, I can do impressions, but it's not something I've ever really worked hard on. And, um, but I think I would be a great host, and that is one of my goals someday, and uh, hopefully in the near future, to host an episode. Because I think I'd, I'd be great at it, and it would be something I'd only want to throw myself into for, like, one week. Doing that week after week and keeping those hours and feeling like my job was on the line every week. I mean, none of those people feel safe. They always have to prove themselves. They're always worried about, am I going to end up in... Like, am I going to be in a sketch this week? I have to prove myself. I have to write. I have to stay up late. Like, I don't, I'm 36. I, I have, I don't have that energy anymore. And I also 
I don't really need, I don't, I feel at this point, even though it definitely would be great for my career to be a cast member on there, I just think that it probably wouldn't be the best fit. And I don't do well. Um, I don't want to write for other people. I want to write for myself. And so I would have a hard time sitting in the wings, watching my jokes done. And I would also hate how competitive it is. I really like how stand up, you're just a lone wolf and you're doing it on your own. And, you know, ultimately it's best to collaborate with people. And I, I do, I have done that when I've done TV shows, but SNL just, I, I, I just feel anxious thinking about having a job there because I, I know for a fact, based on my personal relationships with people who are on that show and have been on that show, it's not relaxing. It's not it's like the dream job. And of course, like when you get that call that you're on, it's like the best moment of your life, but you never feel safe. And I've been in relationships like that before where you're like, this person's better than me and they could dump me at any second. And that's, those are the worst relationships. And I don't, it feels emotionally abusive, which I think SNL is famous for being that way. Um, and so I don't know that I would want to be a cast member, but I sure as hell want to host. And I, it's that is the only goal I have left in my career. I, I really have done everything else that I want to do, but that's that's the one thing I really hope to do someday. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You look at it too, right? Like the goat Dave, he did like a you know the uh, episode after the election, and he did one sketch, one. That's yes. it. Did one sketch, did his stand up, boom. And the la you know the episode he did before that, like four years before that, like he was in like five or six, and he talked about like how draining it was to be in like all those sketches like for just being there one week you know what I mean yeah and, and that would be so fun to do it for one week to get really intense about something because I've done things that are that intense before for short periods of time like I'm when I work out I'm a sprinter like I don't like to just do a leisurely like hour workout I just want to run my heart out for 20 minutes and get done with it faster so I love the idea of sprinting through something but doing that week after week no good and also you dump it, you do it, and then like it's done. And then it's like, what's next? Show us what else you got. And there's no really like savoring it and enjoying it. And yeah, I've done roasts before, obviously. And those are like the hardest I've ever worked in this business of just, you know, every time I do them, I uh, the night before I have these breakdowns of like, I, I can't do this. I'm not going to be good, questioning everything, just, you know, just thinking I'm not funny anymore. Like the jokes don't even make sense anymore because I've been doing them so much. I have thousands of jokes in front of me. I'm trying to sort through them all. It's so, every time I do a roast, I say, I can't do this again. I, it's like, I compare it to uh, giving birth. Like, you know, when mothers give birth, they're like, remind me to never have a kid again. And they're like pushing and they're like, I'm never doing this again. And then they have it and they're like, I want another baby. So I always forget the pain, but uh, so much of this business is just, is, is exactly SNL. Um, and, but I think it would kill me. I'd, I'd age like a president in there, you know? The, the note that I took out of there is that SNL is like an emotionally abusive relationship. I, yeah. I, I think that's, that's my new tagline for SNL is as, as funny as it is and as much as it is, can't say I've ever really thought of it that way. Oh, it totally is. And it, but, but let's be honest. I mean, there it's, it's so, it, it, it's my favorite show to watch. It's the only show that I like tune in and watch live still. Like I love it. And I think it sets the bar in terms of comedy. And I think they really, really nail it. Uh, I, I'm not one of these people that's like SNL used to be good. Like I think they really impress me a lot sometimes, a lot, a lot. And they have, I have so many friends on there and they're so talented, but, um, and it's, 
as a stand-up, there's no bigger stage. I mean, you can get uh, specials and stuff, but that that first set, that monologue, I don't want to see an actor's monologue hardly ever, unless there's someone who's like actually good at comedy. I like watching those stand-ups. I like watching Schumer, Chappelle, Mulaney, like that Burr. You know, that's it's such a great uh, it's such a great stage for stand-up that you you don't really you, you don't really get anymore in terms of like doing late night sets. No one cares about those. It's SNL. Right, is the, is the Johnny Carson, I guess. Glazer for SNL 2021. We're gonna we're gonna book that and, and push for you. So what whatever influence Thank we you. have in, in that world, we'll we'll do what we can. Um, <laughs> yeah. So come coming back to your to your comedy here. So obviously last year was quite a different year. You've heard it a million times. We all have. Um, but with your outdoor shows, I know that you did a string of outdoor shows there. Uh, I believe back in August or September. Um, what, how different is that to basically see people from that distance? Because I would imagine performing in clubs, you, you kind of see people up close, you have their reactions, but socially distant and, and probably vehicles are even just spread out. It's just not the same. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It was, you know, I adapt pretty quickly and I've done so many shows throughout the years since I started in 2003 of just like total like bombing silence. So like, having the, you know a field of people where they're all socially distant and spread out in this field in Connecticut like it was so weird it was like you know the lawn at a Dave Matthews show but like not Dave Matthews like I don't know fucking goo goo dolls uh like it's just like there's just no it's performing during COVID as a comedian is like performing when you first started out like it's very reminiscent of that because when comedy clubs don't give a fuck about you and when you're not selling tickets they just let the audience sit wherever and they all sit spread out and that's the worst for comedy it's so it's so ironic that covid is taking the things about comedy that make the best a com the best comedy room is one with low ceilings where everyone's packed as tightly as they can be at the front of the room now all of those things are gone and and so now when you get on stage it's like it reminds me of the open mics I used to go to in Kansas City where it's like people just you know little groups of people here and there like not much laughter you can't hear any laughter back then because I was like not good but now it's just like you just it's just not as good and you just it's hard to get them rolling you know this the rolling laughter I'm used to like riding a wave and so it just feels like you know it just doesn't feel as good but the outdoor shows were fun I mean I I got to, they were really anxiety inducing though, because I had taken so much time off of comedy that I was, and I was also entering this new type of performance that I was just scared of what that would be. And also like, do I even remember how to do this? I mean, it's something that if you're not doing it every night, especially for me, I don't know that I can do it. And I, I go back to being like, how do I do this? And I'm like, I have to remind myself that I have to, that I, I have to remind myself I have specials. I have I have so much material that I and, and I used to be doing theaters back in February. So this uh, just go listen to one of those sets and recreate it. But it's it's hard because I don't like listening to myself. So I just am I go off of my memory. And now it's been so long since I've done stand up. I have to actually like look at my notes and listen to my performances and um, go back and remember what I did. And it's excruciating. But um, no, it's not ideal. And I'm loving the time off of stand-up, to be honest with you. I like, 
I like doing podcasts. I like doing, I'm doing like cameos now. Those are little writing assignments that get me to think in this kind of like crowd worky sort of way. Um, I'm, I just, I love not having to be out every single night doing stand up because when it is available to do, I do it every night because I'm, I'm like someone who's, you know, these gym rats who like feel like if they take a day off of working out, they'll, they'll lose it all. Like I'm, I, I'm literally addicted to stand up when I can do it. And, um, and so I'm just, I, I've really loved this break. And every time they're like, the clubs are going to open again. I'm like, can we just wait a little bit longer? I just, I eat dinner and then I watch TV and I go to bed. I haven't done that shit for 17 years. I have been out doing stand up every single night. There's no eating dinner and going to bed and like easing into bed. I love this life. So um, I'm kind of torn, uh, but I'm, I, I kind of think about it like, I'm glad that I lived during this second comedy boom and maybe it'll never be back to the way it was. Um, but I, I, I was a part of a, a great time in comedy and I'm, I'm sure it'll go back to the way it was, but, um, I don't know though. It's like, but I've done a couple shows and I can feel the fervor and like the excitement of, for people to go out and be at live events again. I was down in Florida doing shows where they like, don't have COVID down there apparently. And, um, and it was like business as usual, but people were so psyched to be there and be out. And I was like, oh, this whole roaring twenties that they're talking about, that's going to come as soon as we have the vaccine. It's real. I, I feel it already. Well, I can promise you when you go back on tour, me and uh, Ryan squared here, we're going to uh, visit uh, your next show uh, when we can. Awesome. Um, I was actually going to ask you about Rose, but you touched on that. So I'm going to uh, switch gears a little bit here. Um, you, you talked about doing like, you know, shows obviously during COVID time, this actually has to deal with like people like Dave, people like Dave, who is, let's be honest, like him and Joe are clearly at like number one and number two of people like comedians that people know about, obviously, you know what I mean? Joe's yeah. on Spotify now exclusively. And they're both, you know, right now Dave's in Austin doing like shows every single night until like March, just to like, give him something to do and Joe's like tagging along like how different are those two guys like I don't know if you've ever met Dave but like for him to have the badass power move he did and got Chappelle's show taken off not one but two like streaming devices like HBO and like Netflix he's like a different breed what's your question like how, how different do you think it is for like them two to like do open mics every single night or like sets like in Austin, like where it's like much more laid back. It's not the comedy store, right? It's not, it's not in LA where things are much stricter. Like, do you think they're actually being able to like work on material? Oh yeah. I think, you know, I think those guys are both addicted to the stage as well uh, for similar reasons that I gave, like, you know, it, there's no reason anyone needs to be doing stand up every night, but we go and do that because we want validation from strangers because we are lonely and we want to be reminded that we're alive and that we're still loved. And so I think as much as it's a love for the craft, it's also like a desperate need to feel important and to feel relevant. And I'm not saying that those guys are, if, if, if I could do that, I'd be doing that too. You know, if I could go sell out every single night and if I was Dave with full grown kids and you know, he's done the family thing. He, he wants to be out doing it again. If I wanted to and needed that, like I get validation now from uh, like other, I don't know. I don't know where I'm getting it, but I do know that the need to be on stage every night 
and um and the fact that it, it comes from a, a, a sad place it doesn't come, like when people go thank you so much like for making people laugh during this hard time and doesn't it feel so good to make people laugh i want to just be completely honest and say that i don't think of it like that to me it's like it's a way it's a way for me to feel like someone likes me i grew up feeling like no one liked me and that i'm not lovable and i'm insecure i want to be i want to be popular i want to be validated now of course i i like making people laugh and i realize the value of laughing i love laughing but i'm not like this clown that's giving back to people who need it at a time more than ever they need to laugh i don't think of me as giving a service i am being selfish i'm looking for you to laugh and then to make me feel like i'm special and that's what every comedian no matter what they say does it for they all think they aren't lovable and they're seeking validation from from other people and maybe they want to get their messages out there and say something which obviously i do too but it all comes from feeling insecure and um and every comic is and and it's funny because it turns out it never goes away no matter how successful you are you still want to get on stage and talk like it's never gonna be enough there's no amount of money we're not doing it for the money anymore it really is um but you, you know dave dave chappelle is 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 different. I mean, he is a phenom. He is someone who the second he started, he was great and everyone knew it. He wasn't, you know, I, when I started, people were like, yeah, you're good for having just started. But I wasn't like, I wasn't Chappelle good when I like would as good as Chappelle was when he started, when I started. I mean, he's a, he truly is um, just a uh, savant, you know, of comedy. But and when I've watched Chappelle on stage, I mean, there've been thoughts. One time I remember watching him at the Comedy Cellar and I was like, that dude is more comfortable up there, just riffing, not knowing what he's gonna say next, just pulling things out, leaning back, smoking a cigarette, leaning on the piano or whatever it was. He, I go, he's more comfortable up there than I am in bed. <laughs> like that was, I was like, there is a level of, ease about him and like has and and there's but yet i would still argue that even though he is comfortable and not needing anything he still is up there because he wants attention and he feels you know ultimately like you know not i don't want to speak for him but i think it comes from a place of feeling insecure and you know, uh, comics weren't comics weren't hugged enough and told that we we mattered enough as kids. And thank God for that. So everybody is trying to be selfless and think of everybody else, but nobody's thinking of you, Nikki. Nobody's thinking of the co comedian here. Too many people think about me. They do. <laughs> it's like I, I I think that's true. As you become more well known and more famous, you be, you know it's we know that's why we all want to be celebrities. You get treated better when you're famous. People are nicer to you. People laugh at everything you say, even if it's not funny. People give you free things. I'm getting, I get so much free shit. And for the first time I can actually afford stuff. And they're like, no, 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 don't. We don't want your, it's like, but so it's being a celebrity is ridiculous. And, um, and I'm barely one, but it is, uh, it's completely selfish and it is obnoxious. And I fight um, the urge to feel more important than other people all the time. And, and that's why I live in St. Louis uh, during this quarantine. Not why, but like deep down, I don't feel that special. Like I'm trash and like I, and, and not in a bad way. Like I'm just, 
I, uh, I deep down don't, I don't think that I forget that I have all the, uh, the achievements I have. And sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know, I've not that I'm like better than anyone, but that I've worked really hard and that I deserve these things. Cause sometimes I, I like most comedians, most comedians who are comedians that I like, um, I feel like a fraud. And, uh, and I think everyone does, you know, that imposter syndrome is, is, is rampant in our society. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes I get too much credit. I'm like, even you guys saying you're going to go to a show. I'm like, oh my God, I hope I'm as funny as they think I'm going to like, I, I feel like this, I'm like, I think I've gotten less funny. Like you guys shouldn't go. Like I'll give you free tickets. Like I want to say that, but uh, I forget my value, but it's easy to when you lived at home with your parents for 10 months when you're 36. <laughs> we'll come, we'll come and give you validation. Don't, don't worry about it. No, Thank the free, the yeah, free stuff. I, I don't know if we can do, but. Okay. And there's no way in hell Burt Kreischer's getting anything for free. So let's not say every celebrity's getting free stuff out there. Oh, Burt's getting so much free shit. Are you kidding me? Burt gets tons of free stuff. That's what you said. Whenever you see a celebrity like being like, thank you so much for this thing. They didn't pay for it. Or like, I love these shoes. They they got it for free. But Burt uh, Bert deserves it. Burt is, talk about a hardworking dude and just a, a great person. And um, just, yeah, he's... I love the people that are making it and that are uh, successful. I truly believe that like, like, like for instance, Rogan, politics aside or whatever, meat eating aside as a vegan, good, good person, a good man. Uh, Burt Kreischer, good man. Tom Segura, good guy. Like these are good people. And um, yeah, I'm just like, so the people you get to, that's the best part about being a comedian is just getting to know other, other comedians that are just so funny and kind well the last question oh sorry to cut you off there my bad no um last question before uh ryan's last question here i'm glad you brought up tom burton rogan so that's actually my last question you're part of the rogan mafia okay you're part of joe burt's tom's the all them if you guys are trapped on an island it's not gonna i'm not gonna ask who's gonna survive because that's gonna be joe right but who's who's going to get on whose nerves first or bust the most balls between like the four of you and let, let's let's throw ari in there too let's throw ari in there oh, and, like, fuck ari. <laughs> i know you know I, I no i love i actually love ari and i uh it, it's he's it's so funny i i think i like talked some shit on him on rogan's thing because he drugged bert or whatever yeah and- he, dr- he drugged bert on a uh, on a uh, uh like a sober october i think it was yeah. Yeah, and and I said I w- I think I said something not nice about him, but or not even not nice. I just like don't trust him. I think he's a little. Uh, I I think he's. I don't include him in like the list of good people. I think that he wants to be a good person, but like there's something that stops him from it quite often. But uh, okay, so I think that Bert would annoy everyone first because he's just like has too much energy and is too he'd be like excited about it and he would be doing instagram stories too often when we were trying to like survive and i think that um tom oh i just worry about i feel like his his well now that he's like you know broken i'm just worrying about him so we'll probably end up eating tom and um yeah, I w- that would be a fun island. I mean, like indefinitely Rogan would keep us all alive. But I also think that maybe I would become the most annoying. Like it would be hard for me to, um, I really hate the outdoors. And I think all those guys like can actually 
hang in the outdoors. Bert is looks like he's constantly like emerging from a long stay outdoors. Um, but I think I would be the most bitchy because I hate camping and I hate hiking and stuff like that. So I think I, I would be pretty, um, and I can only be like nice and friendly for so long. So yeah. And I'd be hungry and I have to eat Tom and I don't want to eat meat. And so, uh, yeah, I'd be miserable. We need a very specific Island for, for this to all work, but, um, yeah. so we're, we're going to switch one last question for you. This is also about the outdoors. So one thing I like to do before our guests come on, I, I like to look through your Instagram and, and, you know, learn about you a little bit, right? We have to do research. Well, I like to look at who you follow too. I noticed that you follow an account called bird freaks. So I, I have to, yeah. uh, I have to ask, are you a big bird watcher whenever you're not out on stage? And, and is that something that you're passionate about? I love birds. Um, I am not, I don't love birds. Like, um, I like tropical birds. I like parrots. I mean, I like all birds. I literally, if I see like a little sparrow on the ground, I just go like, hi, how are you? They're just like so cute. And they're just like, they're just all so cute. And they're smart. And I grew up with, um, I had a parakeet when I was little and it was like the smartest pet I've ever had. And I loved him so much and he could talk and he'd do tricks. And I just had such a connection with him and I just feel connected to birds. I just love them so much. And I think they're so pretty and, um, and I want to get a bird, but my life has never been one since I could have one on my own that I travel too much to have a bird. So I'm thinking actually about getting one now that, uh, we seem to be staying in place for a little bit longer. And, um, yeah, I just think they're fucking cute as shit. That's why I follow birds. I like love them and I love, I want to have them the rest of my life. And that's the only thing I look forward to about getting really old is like, I can just get a bunch of fucking birds and no one's going to think it's weird. I'll just be a, like I, when I'm unfuckable and like, I'm just old and invisible to the world because I'm no longer like no one wants to stick their dick in me. I can just have a ton of birds on me and like talk to them and feed them. And like, they will love me and I don't need anyone else. And so I will be a bird lady. I'm dead set on it. Nikki Glazer's aviary. That that's what you yes. can do after comedy. You can just open that up. I, I love that. Idea. I really, I always say that I'm just going to open a bird rescue. I mean, I was on who wants to be a millionaire celebrity edition and I won $125,000, I think. And this was like right before COVID. So you, I probably would have donated to like a COVID like charity, but, um, COVID hadn't hit yet. And so I donated it to like a, I, my charity was a bird rescue. So I gave a bird rescue $150,000 and like, I didn't even know what that what the bird rescue was. I just Googled bird charity and and they all made everyone on the show made fun of me because they're like, is this like a charity you work with? I'm like, no, I just Googled birds and like chair like I guess they need cages and like uh feather uh cleaner. I don't I don't know what they even seed. So they, they have um, to be yeah. fed eventually. That's true. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh yeah, I love birds. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to clarify that. I just wanted to, I just wanted to confirm that with well, that. Well, you but, nailed uh, it. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. But uh, Nikki, we really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak with us here today. But um, as you get back on the touring cycle and, and around friends, family, and again, uh, we hope that you, all of your loved ones, touring staff, everybody stays safe. Uh, stay away from the COVID if you can. And uh, hopefully, again, we'll be able to talk to you soon down the road. I look forward to it. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, we've changed our minds. Let's get Mike Emmerich hashtag uh, trending uh, a couple days from now. Let's get Nikki Glazer SNL trending uh, right now. Let's get that trending.
Yeah, we we can certainly stand to do that. We want to see her host it. I mean, that's that's kind of a mecca for a comedian. So why why not put one of our now friends on there? Yeah, I by the way, we really do hope we have her at some point again down the few uh, down the road. Um, we've had great interviews, but I just have to say this on air. It was incredible that we we scheduled that for 20 minutes and by the end of it, it was like 32. I even told Ryan, I was like, I, I can't believe it went that long, but you know, I, I felt bad. We went over the time, you know, we, we scheduled, but I, I, I think it was okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it was fine. And Nikki, if, if you don't like us anymore, that's okay. We understand. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, roast us in your next special. Yeah. Roast us in your next special, but <laughs> after, after we get tickets to see you in person. Right. Okay. Right. right, or wait until that show to do it. So all of our fans out there in the UK, you know, and, and our international listeners and all of our uh, obviously American listeners, get Nikki Glazer SNL trending. That is our goal um, for this uh, episode. Let, let, let's make that happen. Let's do it. Um, so NFL recap, you know what? Let's, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Let's go ahead and do it. I was going to save it, but let's just get it out of the way. Is that fair enough? <laughs> Let's let's start with Sunday night. Okay. We typically go in order, but this is, um, you know, I, I I told Ryan that he's like Michael Irvin. I feel like in every game prediction we've done, <laughs> he's picked the Steelers to win. So in in every season, Ryan predicts the Steelers to go sixteen and zero. Uh, he's picking with his heart. Uh, that's that's uh, my favorite uh, thing on his uh, on our game picks. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, look. Ryan, we're obviously great friends. We're hosts here. I will give my point of view on the game after I hear you. So, I don't remember the number offhand, but the Super Bowl where the Broncos played the Seahawks. It was 48-3. Yeah. 48-10, something like that. You remember what happened the first snap of the game? Yeah, safety. That's how I felt two nights ago on Sunday. That I'm I'm not a Broncos or Seahawks fan. I had no stake in that game. That's how I felt on Sunday night. Is I I watched that ball sail over Ben Roethlisberger's head. I said a few expletives. That's just the way that it was. But I knew right there and right then. It just it just didn't feel like anything was going to happen that night. Now, I, I had hope through the first drive. I said, you know, maybe we can do this and come back. But then Ben throws an interception and I thought it was over. Everybody kept everybody kept making little, like, minute, um, almost like checkpoints throughout the game. They're like, oh, if Cleveland goes up 21 nothing, it's over. If Cleveland goes up 28 nothing, it's over. If Cleveland goes up 35-7, it's over. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it was just over before we even walked on the field because one team wanted it more and the other team didn't. <laughs> And that's what it looked like. Now, one thing I will say about this is I know that people were very upset with Ben. And obviously four interceptions is – it's terrible, right? You, you can't throw four interceptions in a game and expect to win. He completed the most passes in an NFL game in NFL history last night with 47. It's about average – it seems about average for the offense, though, this year because we just throw the ball. We can't run the ball. He also threw for over 500 yards. He's done that four times in his career. 
look at all the other quarterbacks that have done it. There's nobody else that's done it that many times. It doesn't mean that he deserves this big pass because he did that. And I'm, I'm not making an excuse to, to love him and support him that way, but you know, the defense didn't stop anybody. The offense couldn't score points. We threw interceptions. We missed snaps. I don't know how you're expected to win a game like that. And, you know, good for Cleveland. Now they have a playoff win for the first time in 26 years. And it's, you know, as much as it hurts me, it's kind of hard not to feel good for the city of Cleveland. I feel like the, the 40 passes and the 500 yards are throwaway stats. Yeah. Because um, you're playing catch up the whole game anyway. Um, when you're down 28 nothing at the end of first. Awesome uh, game plan, though, down 21 to be like, let's establish the run. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a team who uh, I think they were the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league running the ball. I mean, uh, by the way, I, I feel like I'm a mega cast guy now I, more than I already was because I watched the game on Peacock, uh, the service that, you know, I keep pounding the chest for and Peacock. Uh, it was weird, though, going from years of watching it on NBC, commercials, you know, game action, commercial break, so on and so forth. Um, Peacock had no commercials, only during halftime. Found it very odd. Because um, even with a simulcast, you would feel, you know what I mean? You feel right. like you would do commercials. Um, and so what was very fascinating, I turned it to the NBC for just a minute right in the like start of the third in the third quarter was five minutes behind the peacock uh simulcast so i figured you know what i might as well just continue watching it on peacock because this is five minutes ahead of time so when i watched the end of the game on peacock i flipped to nbc real quick there was still two or three minutes left in the action um and i knew what was going to happen and i felt like you know i i couldn't believe it was that big of a gap you know what I mean? And I understand those kind of things happen, but it was just cool to watch Cleveland win first playoff win since 94. I think I'm a Baker guy. Now uh, the Baker doesn't, I, you know, what I find fascinating though, is, you know, not them being able to practice or anything. Uh, I find it fascinating that the NFL didn't even consider delaying the game. So what happens we got the divisional this week, which we'll talk about on Friday. And then we got the A of, you know, AFC champion, you know, we got the championship games next and then the Super Bowl. obviously what happens if a team outbreaks or the NFL is just going to say, Hey, you know what, put in your practice squad or third strings and let's just chug along because that's what, that's what it felt like happened here. It felt like they didn't even give the Cleveland Browns the option to delay the game or possibly move the date or whatever because they're sticking to a strict schedule. It seems like in the playoffs and, you know, the lions a couple of weeks ago, they had, you know, the same issues. I think they wanted to delay the game, but you know, they play ended up playing Tampa Bay and losing 40, you know, by 40 bajillion points. So it was cool to watch. Um, the Juju Smith Schuster has something where he, what, what is he doing? What what is, what is he doing is uh, a show he should have. What is he doing? Because he dances on logos. They have team meetings about that. Then he stops, right? Then he says the Browns will be the Browns. Eh, probably not the best idea to give a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since 2002 and a playoff win since 94 massive amount of bulletin material. 
going into a pretty big primetime game on a Sunday. And he did it anyway. I feel like they need to cut him. Maybe that's a hot take, but I mean, the guy seems like he just, he's prone to doing something wrong. Like not, not in the sense of like (laughs) off the field stuff. He just, he says the wrong things. And, you know, I saw on Chase Claypool's uh, Instagram today, um, someone asked him uh, in an Instagram live, um, hey, how are you dealing with the loss? And he said, you know, at the, and it was like a seven-second clip. You might still be able to find it on ESPN's Instagram or his. He said, doesn't even matter. The Browns are going to get clapped next week. Yikes. Uh, you just, you know, you just lost in the, in the wild card, and, and you're saying that. Um, so – Cool for Cleveland. Pittsburgh feels like they need to uh, address some things as far as like locker room stuff. I feel like Tomlin's pretty good at that. I mean, look, Antonio Brown left and everyone saw how, you know, (laughs) crazy he was. Um, But by the way, for the people who are saying Tomlin did the wrong thing, let's get rid of him, you know, let's cut his contract, all this kind of stuff. Look, the guy's a good head coach. He's probably the most boring vanilla painter in the world and when I mean painter he just paints cliche after cliche when it comes to you know a press conference um but the guy's a good head coach and they don't fire people anyway so it doesn't matter um the big Ben crying though was pretty pretty sad pretty sad well two things to look at there first I want to address the receivers the the player that is Juju Smith-Schuster is often undervalued in the sense of his actual play because people look at statistics. And my favorite player growing up was Heinz Ward and and probably always will be unless somebody can come along and replace him. But even when Heinz Ward wasn't catching passes, Heinz Ward was doing all the right things. He was blocking. He was getting his hands dirty. He was, he was doing those things. And Juju Smith-Schuster does a lot of those things. And it, you know, it may not always show up as obvious on the broadcast, but he's jumping in for fumbles. He's, he's doing those things and the right things on the field. I agree that, that there's a lot that, you know, you can stop saying and stop doing off the field, but honestly, I think part of the reason that that is, is because that locker room is so youthful. Juju Smith-Schuster is the most experienced player in that receiving locker room playing. I think this is his fourth year. And I think he's only 23 or 24 years old. They don't have a veteran in there to basically be like, Hey, uh, shut up and just play. And that's kind of what Heinz Ward was in some sense, whenever he was there. And and a lot of these places have those guys, right? They have that locker room guy, if you will, or the position group guy. I agree that he can kind of change his demeanor about how he goes about things, but the player that he is, if they can get him in the right situations, I'd like to see him stay a Pittsburgh Steeler. Maybe that's a hot take, but I know what he can bring as far as value and and what he adds to, to all those elements. The video clip of Ben Roethlisberger sitting on the sideline and center Marquise Pouncey walking up to him and Ben saying, I I don't know if you've seen this yet, but I saw it yesterday. Pouncey walks over to him and Ben basically fighting tears, it sounds like, saying you were the only reason I wanted to come back and do this. As a Steeler fan, that's (laughs) kind of hard to watch because my whole life, has pretty much been Ben Roethlisberger at the quarterback position for Pittsburgh. Um, Albeit, you know, a season of Tommy Maddox and a little bit of Cordell Stewart, but pretty much my all known life of being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan is Ben Roethlisberger. 
So if that's truly it for him, I, I, I think he'll come back next year, but if that's truly it for him, that's, it's a, it's a tough sight to see because you really don't know what the future holds now. I will say last thing, and you can, you know, speak to this point if, if you want. Um, also Pittsburgh has what I like to call Notre Dame syndrome. I feel like mm-hmm. Pittsburgh thinks they're Notre Dame and they deserve a Super Bowl every year. I feel like they think they're the Lakers, they're the Celtics that, you know, they're the Yankees that they deserve you know, special treatment or they, they should have the championship every year. And when they don't, it's a failure. Uh, let's be honest. They want before the Super Bowl in 05, they hadn't won a Super Bowl since the seventies. Uh, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010. Uh, they haven't even been to the Super Bowl. Wait, no, 2008. They haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2010. So they've won and, one or two never, games the last decade. Yeah, and I'll never forget the the uh, the twit. It's an all time uh, baffling moment. The guy, whoever he was, in charge of Pittsburgh social media year, uh, a couple years ago, that when they beat the Patriots in Pittsburgh on that Sunday afternoon game at four twenty five, and the title said the pick, and then they got destroyed by New England in the playoffs. Like I, I, that that's sometimes that's a big reason why I have part of Pittsburgh fans, not you personally, just I'm saying. You know, they, I feel like they think they they uh, they're more storied than what they have been because it's all about what have you done for me lately. And I don't know about those. You know, I'm sure there's still plenty of people who remember those Super Bowls from the '70s, but you know, it, <laughs> the it's Yankees, not the same team. No, no. Um, you know, let's just go backwards. How about that? Let's just go back. Oh, I like it. We'll just go all the way backwards. I mean, yeah, let's just go all the way backwards. Uh, do things a little odd here. Oh, I know what's coming next then. Ah, so <laughs> I'm pretty excited. I thought it was going to be terrible, but it wasn't that bad. The Nickelodeon broadcast of the Chicago and Saints game. Look, it's, it is hilarious when uh, I turn on Nickelodeon at – uh, like 420 or something or was 10 minutes for the game. Cause I, I you know, I want to see the broadcast, you know what I mean? I want to see how it's done. And I found myself watching SpongeBob for like five or 10 minutes, like clips from uh, it was uh, the best sports moment SpongeBob's ever had. Um, fun fact. Uh, number one was uh, when he was in the uh, bubble bowl. If you remember that his uh, performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's an all time performance. That, that, I, occasionally I'll still listen to that song to fire myself up. Yeah. <laughs> um so then they get to the broadcast and it's incredible they're explaining they're literally explaining the ground up the very first 30 seconds of the broadcast was what a touchdown is worth what a field goal is worth and what an extra point is worth and then there's a point in the broadcast where uh like i think it was the first quarter a flag was thrown and nate burleson said a flag is like when your uh is like dirty laundry when your mom tells you that you need to pick up dirty laundry and you did something wrong it i mean it was it was it was so bad that it was watchable does that make sense like it was good but it wasn't terrible but it was bad that it was watchable does that am i making sense there yeah it makes sense and but to that point the one thing that i kind of like about that is, you know, you have to imagine that Nickelodeon is probably not populated by people your and I's age or probably even close to your and I's age. 
it's five, six, seven-year-old kids watching it who probably don't watch a lot of football. You know, they probably right. hear their dad scream at the TV occasionally on Sundays or Saturdays, but they don't really watch a lot of it. So I do, I do like the element of kind of bringing it to the younger audience and trying to give them that knowledge and say, oh, that looks fun. That looks cool. Like I, you know, I could like this or do this. And I mean, there are some things that are definitely over the top. Uh, the SpongeBob field goal net was oh, fantastic. I love the field goal net. I was, I, I, that's actually one of the things I love. You, you didn't like it? No, I did. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. but it's just, it's just over the top crazy, right? Yeah. You're, you're like, okay, yeah. they're going to kick a field goal. You have to hit SpongeBob in the nose or it doesn't count. Like that's, that's funny about it. The slime cannons were very funny as well. Um, I, I saw some of this on social media. So I, again, I couldn't watch the, the Nick broadcast because my apartment complex doesn't get it. So fun, but, but like the slime cannons were very over the top. Slime like, cannons were, my, I eat every NFL game like that now with slime cannons. <laughs> I do. That's a, well, okay. So you know how like in college bowl games, they like the cheese at bowl, the, the coach gets a, a cheese at bath or yeah, like a, I mean, who says no to a slime bath after you win like the, the championship game on Nickelodeon? <laughs> I mean, come on. Sean Payton did get slimed pretty good there. Yeah. Well, and okay. So the, the one thing that I think uh, probably was not favorable to their broadcast is when Cordero Patterson dropped the F word. Oh yeah. Uh, not because, good. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, that happens on occasion in NFL games. And um, I distinctly remember one person in, in my life in passing that pretty much told coaches of a sport that said, oh, well, we're going to try to take the F word out of football. Mm. Let me just tell you something as somebody who played football, you can resist not saying it, but the first time you get your foot stepped on or the first time something hurts, you're going to say it. It's You don't have to like the word, but it is kind of tied to the game in that sense. So probably not the best discussion to have with your kid watching a game being like oh yeah well these these large men will now say expletives on tv because it doesn't always happen but kind of <laughs> kind of not a great look no not a great look at all uh it's also funny they had a uh nvp nickelodeon's valuable player uh and it was fan voting and typically those things are you know Men for the winning team, uh, Mitchell Trubisky won it, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, I No, look, I, I really, really ripped on it going into it, but it, it was, to me, it's like Napoleon Dynamite. It's bad, but in the sense that, like, it's watchable because it is so bad. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't the, um, it wasn't the, the announcers, although it was weird that they had the actor in there. They had uh, Lex Lumpkin. Uh, some kid who I don't know who he is. He he must be a Nickelodeon star. And then some uh, girl named Gabby uh, in the booth with Noah Eagle, Ian Eagle's son, and uh, Nate Berlinson. Uh, it just it, look and they compared Drew Brees to Taysom Hill. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Drew Brees. And T- they compared Drew Brees and Taysom Hill to SpongeBob and Patrick. And like during the broadcast, they would have like Jimmy Graham's favorite ice cream flavor is vanilla. And so when I went back to Jim Nance and Romo, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to Nickelodeon just for a little bit. Cause I was like, I, I'm so used to this version of the broadcast right now for this game. Cause it's so bad anyway. You know what I mean? I just give me some fun with it. 
Now, one thing you actually, two things here real quick. One thing you would have missed with the Jim Nance broadcast, and, and I tweeted this, but it's not the exact quote, but it's basically what Jim Nance said. The Bears walk out for like a 50-yard field goal at some point during the game. I don't know exactly when it was, but Jim Nance more or less said something to the degree of, He's like, the Bears have never made a postseason field goal outside of 50 yards in the playoffs during the postseason and their playoff postseason history in the playoffs. You can you can just say they've never made a 50-yard field goal in the playoffs. Like, no, yeah, no need to expand on it. You don't have to say postseason playoffs twice. It's fine. My tweet is probably a little dramatic, but that's – I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, you said postseason and playoffs three times in that sentence. I don't know how you've – managed to fit it all in but awesome the other one is we saw the tweet of the year yesterday uh from this broadcast whenever uh whims or mims dropped the uh touchdown yeah cbs sports tweeted out a picture of him dropping the pass and then patrick from the episode where squidward is completely bandaged up and he's trying to get him to hold the jellyfish net uh, and, he, and he shoves it through his hand yeah firmly grasp it and he shoves it through his hand <laughs> And I was like, we're 10, we're 10 days in. We have the tweet of the year. We can stop. I haven't seen that, but uh, I'll look it up because um, I don't even know what that is referencing. But no, I, I watched the CBS broadcast too. Romo and Nance still had their chemistry as the A team, even though Romo has been doing it from, you know, his basement because of COVID protocols. Um, the, the, the fumble that got called back to scoop and score for the Saints that should have been a, a touchdown for them. Um, the, the the pass that was dropped uh, that you just mentioned, you you can't get more open than that. I mean, that's that's a Lima Swede level drop there for my Steeler fans. Um, no, but I mean, fun Nickelodeon broadcast, um, you know, and, and then the CBS broadcast, you know, I, it was what was. I, I watched, uh, you know, that as well, and, and, and the game just sucked, you know, so. It was a very below-average game, but yeah, and, fun that it was on Nickelodeon. Yes, and I wish you had Nickelodeon. Just w- be honest, would you have watched even, like, a quarter or, like, a couple plays on Nickelodeon? I'd have probably watched the whole thing on Nickelodeon, just just to say I did, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, um, and by the way, one funny thing they kept doing, they kept – bringing up players like Latavius Murray and like Jimmy Graham and like, you know, off, you know, not star players like they used to be, but like this player's favorite Nickelodeon show is cat dog and this favorite Nickelodeon, you know, and, and those are, I'm sure for kids, probably cool things that they don't understand because for us, we know what cat dog and like, you know, uh, rocket power means, but there's no way a kid who's like six or seven knows that, you know, Cat Dog is like a top five Nickelodeon classic. So I, I can't. Like, oh, he loved Rugrats. What is a Rugrat? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, um, there's no way a kid like who's five or six right now watching that broadcast when they they actually did say Mitch's uh, favorite Nickelodeon show is Rugrats, and Nate was like, "Man, I love. I can't wait to be Tommy Pickles when I'm older, just so I can be old and sit in diapers." And I was like thinking to myself. There's no way a kid knows who Tommy Pickle is, but you know, we need another game on Nickelodeon, please. Yeah. Tommy Pickles is the OG though. Um, Moving backwards, Derek Henry, the wrecking ball. He had his worst game since 2019, uh, 40 yards rushing. Look, 
I, I hate to admit it. I was wrong about Baltimore. I'm still going to stay on the train though, that, uh, and we'll talk about Buffalo in a minute. I, to me, Lamar is a quarterback who runs versus a quarterback who throws and runs like Russ. And that's built for short-term success, I think, because at times he doesn't take hits, but at times he's pretty risky with the ball when he runs. He's the best runner on the team. And for a team in the playoffs right now, that's not a winning formula because you can't have your, your quarterback be the best runner and, you know, obviously the one throwing the ball. You have to balance it out somehow. But they played well with tennis, you know, against Tennessee in that third act yesterday. Um, look, I feel like we're on the verge of our first NFL rivalry since San Francisco, Seattle from, you know, the 2010s to 2013 year. Um, and the NFL is just going to keep scheduling those two teams to play each other because at the end of the game yesterday, Tennessee still had three timeouts and Marcus Peters intercepted and the whole defense, you know, basically stomped and kicked the logo and everything because of the week 11 scenario. There's bad blood there. I'm, you know, I'm glad we're going to have a new NFL rivalry. Part of me feels like though, Tennessee, you want a crystal ball for 2021. I'll give it to you right now. Tennessee wins the Super Bowl next year. I, I, I don't think that's completely out of the question. I think they're good enough to do it, but uh, I pretty much spent most of my Saturday with my, my good friend from home, Cameron, who is a big Ravens fan. And, and the thing we talked about all Saturday leading up to this game on Sunday was you win this game by stopping, stopping Derrick Henry and making the correct plays at the correct time. The Ravens did both of those things because to stop Derrick Henry is no small task. And, and obviously not many teams have been able to do it. Now, I think back to when the Steelers played him earlier this year and he ran for still like 75 or 80 yards, but it didn't feel like he was completely stopped. He was just neutralized in some sense, but the Ravens stopped him and, the, and they made Ryan Tannehill make plays and he made a few. There were some great plays, obviously the AJ Brown touchdown. And I mean, AJ Brown's a stud. That's kind of what it comes down to. But the thing is, is the Ravens, you're right. Lamar Jackson's not a throwing quarterback and, and I don't think you want him to be that but their ability to run the ball is still very dangerous. And, and I still think it echoes true that if you don't know who's always going to get it, that's kind of what makes them the most dangerous because with Derrick Henry, you know, you can assume that he's going to get it more often than Ryan Tannehill because well, Ryan Tannehill can run. He is the quarterback who is mobile. He is a throwing quarterback who can be mobile. You put three running backs back in there and the triple option spreads, you know, type set with one on one side, one on the other, and Lamar Jackson in the middle, you don't know who's going to get the ball. Lamar's going to, you know, they're going to run RPOs all day at you. And then eventually you're going to be like, okay, we got to stop the run. And Lamar's going to throw a little 10 yard pass to Mark Andrews and keep the chains moving. It, it's, it's something that can be stopped, but the Ravens seem to have a grasp on how this offense is working right now. And it, it really looked good against Tennessee. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't think they're going to go in and beat Buffalo. But we'll talk more about that on Friday. But I, I think the Ravens are certainly moving in a good direction. And that will uh, it'll be a good game to watch. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Um, the GOAT. The GOAT went into Washington. Um, I think it's time to ask, is Washington football team a dynasty their first year in existence, they go to the playoffs and almost, you know, knock out the GOAT. 
um, you know, the first uh, year as a, uh, that, you know, franchise in the, in the football team. But uh, <laughs> Taylor Heineke, um, man, he was uh, Twitter and Instagram and the internet was a buzz about this kid. Um, mo- you know, not just the way he was playing, but mostly had to do with that play that he was diving towards the pylon. And it's a great you know, uh, shot. Although I feel like, you know, I'm not ripping on photographers, but I feel like sometimes when you take a great shot like that, and if you've ever seen the Kawhi Leonard bounce shot where his tongue is out and like, he's in the corner, like you can just have a camera and go, you know, hold the the camera down and take like 90 photos in like a second. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not ripping on photographers profession. I'm just saying, you know, you might've had your finger on, on the, the camera button there. Um, but it, you know, wasn't a terrible game. Tampa Bay, 507 total yards of offense. Washington loses by eight. Um, they had a chance at the end. There, there was a play though, very questionable play. There's a play like I think third or fourth quarter Cam Sims. I think it was number 89 from Washington. He catches the ball. Washington's definitely driving and, um, he gets hit right away in the head. And I was like, Ooh, I feel like that's defenseless receiver, but it wasn't called. Um, and, you know, I, I just, um, I, I don't know what to think of Tampa. I, I, I don't. I, I mean, Leonard, Leonard Fournette scoring a couple touchdowns in the playoffs doesn't really mean anything to me because, you know, a couple of years ago he did that in Jacksonville and he fell off pretty hard. Um, but let, let me tell you, man, the GOAT, he put out an Instagram video yesterday. Uh, with uh, Dr. Dre playing in the uh, background um, saying we're still playing football in January. What, what is he doing to age differently than everyone else? Is Benjamin Button based on him? It's the TB12 method. That's what it is. I, I, so I've been told. I honestly thought you were going to say the GOAT was Taylor Heineke because that's how I felt on Saturday night with everybody um, a buzz on him. But, you know, I, one thing I want to address about Heineke, though, is is people were saying pretty much all night, they're like, man, it's so impressive for Washington to go in with their backup quarterback and, and be competitive. Look, let's look at this again here. You can say backup. That's fine. Taylor Heineke's their fourth string quarterback. Because Dwayne Haskins was the starter. Pulled. Kyle Allen's the starter. Injured. You go to Alex Smith, you never thought you'd have to go to him. He's playing, injured, back to Haskins, then back to Smith, injured again, and then you're like, we're going to sign this, basically our COVID quarterback off the street because he's not in the facility, and he comes in and does that. He's going to get a contract somewhere next year, even if it's as a number two quarterback. Someone's going to take a shot on him because of that performance. And and I love, I love that play because I, I just love effort plays like that. It's not often you see effort plays like that from players who – mostly because they're never in situations to do it, right? Because you don't have quarterbacks playing this big a game. But Tampa's Tampa's still weird. I, I feel like Tampa Bay is still primed for success because Tom Brady just seems to have a golden halo around his head in the playoffs. 31 playoff wins. It's almost twice as many as Joe Montana, who's second place with 16. That's just – that's stupid. That is a stupid statistic. And all of his playoff statistics are stupid because that's just 
how often he's in the playoffs, but you know, it, it's going to, it's going to be another one of those matchups. Again, we'll, we'll touch more on it on the weekend episode, but you know, seeing him play against Drew Brees again, I think that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, he also has uh, seven, he has playoff more playoff wins than 17 NFL teams. That's a crazy that stat. That's a crazy stat. Um, whew, um, I, I, uh, I, I thought Seattle could win the Super Bowl. But I was wrong. Um, Russ is a great quarterback. DK is a very good on the verge of being a great wide receiver if he's not already. I think Pete Carroll is a very good head coach. I don't understand the losses that they have in the playoffs when Russ has been there and Pete's been, you know, obviously been the coach. It's like, those are the teams that should have won. Like that's the Seattle team that should have won it. Obviously the pick, you know, from mountain Malcolm Butler, they should have won it that, that game. Um, I, I could go back to even Russ's uh, rookie year when Atlanta uh, they were playing in Atlanta in the Georgia Dome, and Russ stormed all the way back, and Atlanta only beat Seattle by like a couple points, like it was like three. It's just I don't, I don't get it. There, there is they are a very great team, and I hope they're not going to have what I call um, NBA regular season syndrome, where a team is very great in the regular season, like. Perfect examples, Atlanta Hawks from like 2014, where they won 62 or 61 games, something like that. They ended up playing LeBron in the Eastern Finals. LeBron swept them. Right. Like I, I hope that's not Seattle's story going forward because I think Russ is going to win another one. I just, there's something missing. There is something missing. I don't get it. John Wofford, who knows what happened with him, but all the statistics on Saturday from both of these teams were ugly. Jared Goff, you know, credit to him coming off the, the thumb surgery and coming in, I, you know, maybe he's good to go for this weekend. We'll talk about that on Friday, but um, Sean McVay adapts and works well for whatever the situation is. Um, and clearly he had a game plan. If Wolford was to go down, whether it was injury or, or whatever, and bring in golf and, and they kind of just chewed clock away, play action. If they could, when, when Jared could complete the ball. Cause he didn't, he didn't look very good at all on, on Saturday, but. Ooh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we talked about how weird Seattle was throughout the year and, and you know, it's a narrative that they play weird games and it still stands true, but give a lot of credit to Los Angeles's defense for shutting him down because that's, that's something that not a lot of teams can do is really kind of put him in a box and, and, make him hurt you. My prediction of Chris Carson hurting anybody didn't really stand up true either. So uh, there's that too, but you know, Ru Russell Wilson's still a great quarterback, but the, the familiarity of playing a team three times a year can really, can really have a hindrance on that. Uh, especially whenever you're playing against a coach, as you mentioned in Sean McVay, who's great, but also as a defense, that's as great as they are too, because, and I know he didn't play a whole lot, uh, but like Aaron Donald in the middle, and then they have another couple guys in there that really were disruptive all day. Uh, even whenever Aaron Donald went out, their defensive line was very disruptive. And but the the one thing the Seahawks always seem to be missing is a, is an offensive line. That's the one thing it feels like they can never put on the field and and have as a full cohesive unit is an offensive line. And you know when you play a defensive line that's that stout, that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, um, I, 
the Rams are an interesting team, and, and we'll talk about them on Friday. Josh Allen, three twenty-four, two touchdowns. Buffalo, this one's for you. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> they're good. They're good. The, the, the problems with that game on Saturday, though, were when Buffalo scored, Indianapolis drove right down the field almost effortlessly and scored again. And if you're going to play Kansas City in a week's time, you know, if you can beat Baltimore on Friday or Saturday, excuse me, you can't do that because that'll come back to bite you. And Josh Allen – uh, you know, and I'll say it right now, Josh Allen's going to win the MVP next year. He looks, he looks like he's about to take Buffalo at some point in his career. Maybe not this year, obviously. I think they can get to the Super Bowl. I don't, I think if they get to the Super Bowl, they, they won't win it, but you know, I, I feel like he's going to bring Buffalo and I hope he does their first Super Bowl championship at some point in his career. Um, the, the Zach Pascal play, Look, it, you know, those are calls that in a playoff game eh, kind of kind of matters, I, I think. Um, the I feel like Phillip Rivers and, and Big Ben, we saw both of their final games uh, this weekend. And um, the Buffalo, I, I don't know. I mean, Buffalo, their strength is not just Josh Allen, but their strength is their secondary. They seem to play really well. Um, it's their defensive line that's not as strong as that back half. Well, and they've had, historically, they've had pretty good defensive lines. So to see the, the strength shift is interesting. But the the Bills, that's a similar to Cleveland, but I think maybe even in some senses more so. It, it just, it's nice to see those underdogs win games. And, and I understand Cleveland came at Pittsburgh's expense. And, and of course I would have loved to play Buffalo next week as a Steeler fan, but seeing Buffalo move on to is, is just quite a thing. And I don't know if you saw the video it was floating around social media um, of the, one of the bills fans in the, in the, um, the word is alluding stadium. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word stadium. One of the bills fans in the stadium, they shot to him after they won the game and he was, he was crying. And it's funny to it's funny to think about because you're like, oh, it's a grown man, it's a game. But like there are people that really kind of dedicate their lives to this for for better or for worse. I mean, I'm I'm not here to judge people. I, I think I, I can see this in two ways. I I think you would probably feel similarly. You may not cry, but if you ever saw the Knicks win a championship, you're you would be a little bit more emotional in that sense. Uh, I've been lucky to see the Steelers and the Penguins win titles. So I kind of feel that way about the Pirates. If they ever won a championship, I would be, I well, I would be amazed that we're even there in the first place. But it, it you know, it just it it's an incredible feeling to see your team do that and win those postseason games, and and I mean even not a title, but you know you you kind of have to enjoy it. And, and if I'm being honest, if I'm picking a rooting interest because I typically do this after the Steelers are eliminated, I have to pick Buffalo just because I. I it's hard to root against Buffalo in any sense. Yeah. And they have the Sabres, but I feel like the bills um, that that's their pride and joy right there. Even though they have Buffalo Sabres hockey means more for the bills. Um, Ryan. So that wraps up another great episode, but I mean, if they're going to, you know, continue to listen to us and, and find us and, 
and all this great information, how can they do that? Where can they do that? Well, again, if you're listening to us, I assume that you found us on Apple or Spotify. That's where our show's hosted through. Um, so make sure you're subscribed to Apple, Spotify, leave a rating if you would like to. It, it takes just a couple seconds to click down there, click five stars. Uh, if you're really enjoying the show, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. But to catch up with all the regular social media stuff, to see episodes and guest announcement alerts, uh, one-off videos, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, so TikTok, we usually give game predictions. We'll post those to some of our social platforms. We'll do instant reactions there. Uh, Twitter, we will try to get some good memes in there during the game. I know that we had one on Sunday. Uh, whenever the Browns were sticking it to the Steelers. So there's always some good live reaction memes there too. So be sure to do it there. But uh, one, one of the other things that I want to say too, before we end this show is it's almost time for hockey, Ryan, we're going to have some hockey when the next time we uh, talk to each other on Friday. So hopefully all of our football fans are excited for some more playoffs and all of our hockey fans are excited to see the puck drop. A little snipe Selly boys. We'll see everyone <laughs> on uh, Friday. <laughs> we'll see you guys then.